0: Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Having trouble getting things done at work? You're not alone. Maybe in order to unlock amazing outcomes, it's time to stop looking up and down for answers and instead start looking across. What do we mean by that? The companies with the fastest speed to market tend to be the ones that look across the organization rather than up and down the hierarchy. Stay tuned to hear how Atlassian software like Confluence, Jira, and Loom can help maximize effective teamwork in your organization. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.
1: Support for this show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync, so even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, so ambitious companies have the precision control and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher.
0: And I'm Scott Galloway.
1: Hey, Scott. How was your weekend? What went on for you? Did you go to the Tulsa rally? No, nobody did. Nobody did.
0: My weekend was great. I had a great Father's Day. I decided to be my dad, and I woke up at 6 a.m., gave everyone a hard time for not getting up earlier. I complained about the coffee maker, bought a local (laughs) newspaper. (laughs) ate a bunch of seafood, called the GPS stupid, and reorganized the garage. Yeah. No. The great comedy of <laughs> Simon Holland. <laughs> This guy is amazing. This, <laughs> Who is this? guy is, are you, are you he is repeating So, someone's... good. he brings so much joy to my Twitter feed.
1: Oh good. 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 That's good. But you what had a nice What did you do? Prom. I saw
0: that you had prom. A
1: prom. We had prom. My son did a prom for his girlfriend. He didn't get to do prom because of COVID-19. Uh, and so he set up his prom and it was like it was like the end of contagion, really. That's what it was. It was just him and his girlfriend. And he set up lights and crepe paper in this barn that we're near. We have a barn, like an empty barn. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And romantic. he dressed up. Uh, he just did a, he did a beautiful dinner before. He's just such a, my son is really wonderful. I'm sorry. He's really the best child. So anyway, so he was great. So we, we, I took some nice pictures. He's better than the other one. Is that what you're saying? No, not at all. The other one's great. The other one one is great. The other one wanted to play basketball during the prom because there's a basketball hoop in the barn, but we didn't let him do that. We thought it was not not the time to do that. But it was lovely. No, they're both amazing. All my children are amazing. I love them. I had a nice Father's Day too because that's what they said. Happy Father's Day to me. What
0: I do? I rank them. Not post the ranking.
1: No, I shall not. They all have their own qualities. Anyway, <laughs> there's so much going on. Let's talk about teens. Speaking of teens, the K-pop TikToker mm-hmm. users encourage your fans to snatch up uh, free limited seating tickets to Trump's Tulsa rally. It's unclear whether they really did have an impact, but I love the whole prank. The result, uh, they said, was that uh, fewer Trump supporters actually attended the rally. I'm not so sure. I just think people didn't want to go because of COVID and because the act is getting a little uh long in the tooth. Um, but it was a really kind of an interesting movement that these kids uh did this this teens. It was sort of um, you know, someone was like, it, you know, it's just like the movie Star Wars, the Death Star gets taken down by a bunch of untrained teenagers. Um, because Death Star was what uh Brad Parscal referred to as the Trump campaign, which is kind of a stupid metaphor, of course, but he is not the smartest man on the block, I guess. Anyway, it was interesting. What did you think of this? What did you, I think it was an interesting attempt. I don't know. No one's going to figure out whether it caused, they're denying it. The campaign says it didn't happen, but it kind of did a little bit. What do you think? Mm -hmm.
0: Well, it initially kind of tickled my tribal sensors, And then as I thought about it, I thought if the GRU had figured out a way to use platforms. To reduce the turnout at a Hillary rally, we'd all be screaming that it was election interference. So I just don't like the idea of platforms that are domained in countries outside of the US monkeying with our um, elections in our in, in any way. So I I you know well, my also, first thing was kind was of a thrill because I don't
1: it was also a K prop group. It wasn't just TikTokers. I don't know. I don't know. I think. It, look, like pranking has been a part of campaigns. This was like U.S. You know, like it was not out of a foreign country. I think the difference is enormous. Well, okay,
0: but if this happens, if this happens for Biden, will you have the same sort of yes, oh, shucks, Isn't yes. that cute, Tony? Yes, right yes I will because Biden yeah. doesn't have
1: these campaigns. I, what I, don't I think, think is, so. I, I don't, don't think so. I, I think I would. I think I would I because think you're first playing of
0: all, basketball outside my no, makeshift prom right now.
1: No, I am not. Now listen to me listen to me. Look, Biden doesn't have these things, but Trump spends a lot of time bragging, like, a million this. They lie continually yeah, and to be found it. out I on a lie it. is, this is a very different situation. I do see, I, like, I, it does tickle you, but it's at the same time, it's just kind of, I like pranking in politics, like, pranking. This was not what was going on. I don't think it did impact the numbers. Yeah. I think the numbers were down because, and of course the, the campaign yeah, I, lied, I lied almost it. continually, which even Chris Wallace at, at Fox was like, oh, it was the protesters. No, they didn't block anything. Oh, it was this oh what was that they the issue is that this particular and i think it's a media thing is not working anymore this show is getting tired even for its most uh i
0: agree most users you i predicted think this. you yeah. said people are going to get yeah. exhausted
1: well it's yeah. tiring right. it's the same old same old him right. drinking water his walking his dumb jokes it's like it's literally like looking at like um henny youngman today right he's not dave chappelle anymore let's just say he's not like well, he's Penny not youngman yeah, you do you? Well, after a while, it gets tired. I'm just saying all these acts. my wife,
0: please. Please,
1: right. That's always a great joke. But but I, I have to say, after a while, it gets tired. And he has to have something other than he is a, a, an aggrieved person, other than the media's fault, other yeah. than, you know, it's just the same. It's like the, the greatest hit. Someone said it was like, you know, who, someone coming out and singing like Freebird for the 20 hundredth time. Uh, uh, so. I don't know. I just feel like he's got to have actually something to say, just like any politician. He can't just rely on Well, he said something. He said
0: that he's informed the administration to slow down testing, which I I think makes a lot of sense. I think that makes a lot (laughs) of sense. Of course, today
1: they're doing a flippy-doo and saying actually we're going to have a fall resurgence. I mean, all the excuses are just ridiculous. I know. Yeah, right. Whatever. I just think he needs some message that is not this. And so he's got to come up with some message, just like all politicians. And, um, And I think people are bored of it. Bored of it and they need something else. And they're bored of the exhaustion too because all he does is make trouble and now he's the in charge he's got to actually have a plan and i think that's really i think people are tired of no plans anyway i don't know it's a it was a media disaster for him and it was of his own making uh, you know it wasn't the media it wasn't anybody else and everybody was waiting for it to happen so agreed All right, Pinterest. uh, We talked about this this week. Uh, A a Business Insider report said at least 11 employees, several of whom, uh, um, several of them uh, were uh, black, have come forward to say they were pushed out of the company with no explanation, while others say they were verbally abused by managers. So Pinterest has some reckoning to do. I talked to a lot of Pinterest people over the weekend, especially in the alumni groups, and they all are sort of talking about this in these groups. And and one of them said you can't just um you just can't uh, uh add on diversity it, it you can't just add it on at the when now that you have this reckoning situation it was a really it's there's not really an app for that. No, there's, there's not, not an, an app, app for you can no. download
0: called Diversity. Diversity uh, now.
1: I think this is going to re- go through all these companies. Like, there's going to be story after story after story. You're rip through. You rip through. 100. You know, COVID 19. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know about that, but it was. Uh, it's a different thing. But it's. How do you it's look a at this? Would you, I get that. I get what you're doing. But what? What would you? What? What do you? Why do you? Would you advise these companies? I mean, it is what it is. They behave behaved the way they behaved. And so, what do you? What would you? What would be the best? Thing to do to respond?
0: Uh, well, I can tell you what I'm, what, uh, I'm trying to do or what mm-hmm. I think I'm telling companies to do or these companies are trying to do. Uh, and we're dealing with this. I'm on a lot of advisory and um, boards, private and public. I think the first thing you got to do is it starts at the top. The board of directors picks the CEO. The CEO picks people, uh, uh, senior managers around him and her. And there's just a natural tribal instinct to develop relationships with people who Look like you. So you have to mix it up. You have to have some form of affirmative action. Not being overtly racist is not enough. And uh, so I think at a board level, you have to immediately commission searches to make sure your board looks, smells, and feels like not only America, but your consumer base and your company. And most do not. I also think there is a uh, transition, and that is this is no longer about communications. This is no longer about Edelman and your agency. This is about. Uh, not only committing to actions, but taking action swiftly and word will get out. Just as word gets out on whether your hotel has bad towels or whatever because of the transparency of these platforms, your actions absolutely get out. Also, and this is less aspirational, I think there need to be some firings. It just strikes me that when we're talking about this, that uh, uh, people seem to be very forgiving of these organizations where you found out, oh, there was this kind of accidental Systemic racism. Like, we what can we learn from this? You know, at Google, at Facebook, and at retailers, they fire people if they figure out the wrong trend in pants two seasons in a row. And all of a sudden, there's all this empathy for managers who have accidentally overseen systemic racism. Well, guess what? There needs to be. I believe there needs to be some 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 firings. And most of these people, the reason why senior managers make two to three hundred times or exponentially more than than the average salary, is that the buck stops with them, full stop. I've been fired before, it sucks. Sometimes it's not your fault, but just as you get an undue amount of the upside and the credit when uh, when unfortunately, accidentally, things are really good, when unfortunately, accidentally, there's been systemic racism in your company, heads has gotta roll. That's what I would do, Kara.
1: Scott, I agree with you completely. Heads rolling is what we're looking for. But let's move on to big stories. Uh, speaking of someone who's trying to change things, a former Google exec who was at the top of Google and, in fact, was one of the people in contention for CEO is building a company with the goal of competing with the mega search engine. Neva is the new search engine. It won't show any advertisements. The CEO, uh, Sridhar Ramaswamy, says it will not collect or profit from user data. The company plans to make money on subscriptions from users paying for the service. Um, he, Shridhar was, I've known him very well, was at Google for 15 years running the company's ad business. So he was in charge of its biggest, um business was money maker, and he knows pretty much everything about how Google works. He felt disillusioned with the company after major advertisers were inadvertently making money off of illegal content like child pornography. It's a pretty ambitious plan uh, uh, considering that Google owns about 90% of all global internet searches. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott, would you? And they're using uh, Bing, which I, everyone made fun of, but Bing is actually a very good technology. It just didn't mm-hmm. hit like Google did. Um, would you? I, I want to stay away from the Bing part, but you, you know, had talked a lot about DuckDuckGo and, and others, and mm-hmm. wishing there was a, an alternative. Is it possible to compete against Google? And would you invest in the company?
0: Uh, not only, yeah. So if Sridhar calls me and lets me invest, I'm in. Um, this is. Mm-hmm. There is a huge opportunity. If you think about the most impressive or innovative e-commerce company of the last 10 years, most people would immediately say Amazon. I would say relative to where Mm -hmm. it was 10 years ago, I would argue that it's Shopify. And these companies become so dominant and they can't resist but to leverage their monopoly power to the point where they create a pool of ill will the size of the Atlantic, which creates huge opportunity. In steps, Shopify, we're not taking your data. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're gonna let you keep the brand, and boom, they build tens of billions of dollars in value. The opportunity for an anti- Google Google is enormous here. And and while people uh, critics immediately go to, well, they're just white labeling, being search engines similar to what Asti said. No, they're not. They're actually they will go into your email files and your own files and search them. But because they're not advertising driven. Because they're not like Google that used to take you to the best place, but now it takes you to the next place that they can monetize. If you go to subscription, you return to the purity of search and it immediately unlocks an ability such that even if he doesn't have the 7,000 engineers of Google, he can build a superior search engine because his business model is not cancerous. It's based so it's on like subscription. Apple. It's It's not sort of like
1: apples. Sort of the fancy that the, they, they can focus on privacy. So why is it different from DuckDuckGo? Because you you made you know people DuckDuckGo their, so Duck, Duck, their model is Google, but So DuckDuckGo their
0: model is we don't use data for targeting, which gets you halfway there, but it's still mm-hmm. an ad driven model. It's not a subscription right. model. The gangster move here. The reason why this could be the next hundred billion dollar. A value company is they're going netflix they're going i o s and they're saying for people who don't trust Google, for people who recognize that Google runs on rage, for people who recognize that Google has a profits incentive to ignore child pornography or the radicalization of young men, I am willing to pay five, ten bucks a month for better search and a better organization it's a different business this is I think this is incredibly well, exciting it's so would I invest?
1: Yes. Yeah. All right. Now he Sundar. I'm talking to him later today uh, for a column. Um, I've known him for a long time, and obviously he wanted to be CEO of Google, even though he kind of denies it. But he was definitely in the running. It was either it was Sundar and he. He, he was at the top of that company. He created this. So what do you say to him? Like is that he? You know he's found the light, or what? Why is he better suited? Given he's the one that made Google into what Google is today.
0: Well, there's a lot of these guys, and I think there's I think there's correct scrutiny when you make—a lot of these people see the light, like a Republican senator sees the light around Trump about the time they announced that they're not running for re-election. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of former Facebook e- executives that once they've cashed yeah. their check or their options, all of a sudden they decide Facebook is eagle, evil. Mm-hmm. But he's not—I don't think he's lecturing Google as much as he said, I wasn't comfortable with some of the—where this mm-hmm. had evolved. I've left, and I'm starting a competitor. I, I don't— mm-hmm. More power to them. I'm 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 excited right, then, about this. I don't know if it'll be uh, successful. I think they yeah. are an aggressive I would pay for it. Monopoly. I would certainly pay
1: for something Sridhar would yeah. do. I have to let's say, Let's yeah, sign up. And the right, product let's will sign be up. On but, it. but let's uh, let me let me ask you a question. Dave Morin left Facebook a million years ago. People forgot about Path and remember it ended up selling to some billionaire yeah. from Thailand. I think I forget where it got sold, but um, it, it he tried that. He tried to create a better social engine uh social service called path where people were together i was in it and and people paid for it and it didn't work it didn't it didn't and he was a top executive yeah. at facebook one of the creators one of the i would say a very important early creator of facebook how what What would you say he needs to do here to prove out his point
0: oh i, I look it, it, we no longer live unfortunately we no longer live in an innovation economy we live in an exploitation economy but beyond that if you look at the majority of the market capitalization gains over the last 5 years you can reverse engineer it to a driver who's making less than minimum wage a team that's depressed i mean we have moved into full blown exploitation however if if this guy if this guy can build a search engine in a unique way of helping you get to the best place finding you the best information as opposed to the information mm-hmm. google can further monetize and he's clearly it sounds to me like he's got the chops and most importantly in this age of monopoly this monopoly era attract a ton of cheap capital such that he can build his future i think he's got a real shot but yeah Yeah. the odds aren't good it's just in an asymmetric on a risk-adjusted basis if this works the upside is pretty dramatic because this this market is gigantic and if and it's it's 93 percent of it is controlled by one player
1: it's good for google it's Google for one to have competition, and two to be like, Agreed. look, there's other people innovating because there has not been a new search engine since forever. I mean, really. I mean, Google should be in the crosshairs of the Justice Department, uh, and and this creates anything that creates more innovation is something I am for.
0: All right, enough of that, Kara. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll speak to our friend of
2: Pivot, Fox Creative. This is Advertiser Content from Atlassian. The universal truth with our customers is they're all struggling to get stuff done. Our goal is how do we help them unleash the potential of their people, their teams and their technology to actually get the right things done at the right time with the right people the right way. And when we do that, magical things truly happen. Don Price is Atlassian's work futurist. It's his job to help Atlassian customers imagine more effective ways to work. It is completely natural to focus on what you can control in your team. The problem is if if that's all you do, you get pretty myopic. The best teams I'm working with, they really work on who are the people upstream and downstream that we need to work with. How do we get flow across the organisation? How do we get value into the hands of our customers quickly? And sometimes achieving flow means that instead of asking who do I work for, it's asking who do I work with? When you get team connection right, everyone benefits, the employee, the employer and the customer, right? To get stuff done, the best organisations and teams right now are focusing on modern work. They're dreaming about the future, but they're dreaming about it by planting the seed to get the right things done right now. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom enable teams to work effectively together to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L
1: All right. Welcome back. Let's move on to Friend of Pivot. We have a person on the line. His name is John Rice. John is the founder and CEO of Management Leadership for Tomorrow, a nonprofit that works to empower and elevate Black and other people of color into leadership positions in order to close economic disparities. John, welcome to
3: Pivot. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So you recently wrote an op-ed in The Atlantic, which I thought was great, called The Difference Between First-Degree Racism and Third-Degree Racism. Can you talk a little bit about this and, and what, you, what you were getting at in, in the essay itself? Yeah. So my thesis was really to, to
3: think about you know, uh, how do we move forward you know, in, a, in a time now where, you know, at this moment, we've seen a lot of encouraging statements from leaders. You know, I think there's a real realization and kind of what I call kind of an employer America in particular, that, you know, where we are is not acceptable. Uh, and uh, I think there's a, you know, there's a thirst for needle moving actions and not just talking about problems. And, uh, and so I, so I, as I think about it from a needle moving standpoint, you know, is there a conviction, okay. Uh, for, you know, for change. And I I'd say I'm optimistic, you know, just as context here in terms of because I just think that there's really For for leaders in this country, there's nowhere to hide, Uh, and uh, and I think they're feeling pressure externally and Mm -hmm. and internally in their organization. So my thesis in the piece uh, was essentially that what we need to do now is to think about uh, how to increase the cost of racist behavior. Uh, And I I try to dimensionalize racist behavior um, in three ways. And I felt that our first challenge when we think about how to move forward on racism is we don't have it. We're not really aligned on on what it looks like, and we're pretty clear that you know uh, that uh, around you know the core you know doing racist and prejudiced things like calling someone the N word and dis- mm-hmm. you know discriminating against someone openly, uh, policing black people different than whites. That that's sort of you know pretty clear, and there, we, there's there's real movement as it relates to policing reform. We just need to elevate the cost of of bad policing, okay, and that's mm-hmm. not as easy as it sounds, but that will move the needle. But then I, t- you know, I wanted to, to focus on the other two areas that I think are uh, uh, important, which is you know what I call the sort of second degree racism, which essentially is you know not standing up to anti racist uh, uh, actions, uh, and and then and, and then the third, which I've really focused on the most of the pieces, is you know um, what in, is the really a category of I think what uh, most people would consider to be uh, you know institutional racism, uh, mm-hmm. and. I took a little bit of a different tact in the sense that and uh, calling this racism in the third degree. Okay. Which is that, you know, where we're not trying to really hurt anybody uh, but we created the conditions where somebody else's aspirations were really shattered right. for their future. Uh, and, and so uh, this is, you know, this, I would argue is the, the catalyst for, for really moving the needle on race overall.
1: Can I ask you the idea of the third area, which I think people have been talking about it's not saying you're not racist, but being actively anti-racist is one thing. And the second part is how do you bolt it onto companies? Because I was in some of the Pinterest groups this weekend. and I know you advise companies. You've advised Fox Media, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, and others. Um, how do you advise them? Because bolting on this after the fact, or trying to sort of say the words, but not actually do the actions. So many people of color have told me they get them, get people in there, and then they don't do the training, they don't change the actual system. And therefore, there's a higher uh, failure rate of making this a, a, a diverse, how do you get them bolting it on to do it? What has to happen in order, not just realizing it, but doing something?
3: Yeah, well, let me start by sort of painting the picture of probably you give, put some context around the kinds of responses that you get when you're uh, engaging CEOs, especially in tech and in beyond, you know, sort of, you know, well, you know, kind of, how do we get there? Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. th- I think the context is that, that, you know, we're clearly not doing you know, what I would call sort of racism in the first degree, you know, the doors are open to these organizations uh, uh, and no one's holding people back from getting in and, 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 and so forth. But, uh, that that kind of environment now, the, where we're our sort of post civil rights movement, allows folks to convince themselves that their organizations are meritocratic, uh, and it also helps you discount the noise when you hear individual cases of folks, uh, you know, not performing the way they should. So in the, in the context mm-hmm. right now, here's the here's the first problem, which is, uh, uh, you know, we're in a world where you know, uh, and I'll use the old axiom, you know, sort of when failure is not punished, failure proliferates. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, so, so there aren't costs to being bad. And then there also aren't really many benchmarks around what good looks like. And then the third component is, uh, that, uh, organizations and leaders actually don't feel they have a clear how to move the needle. Uh, and and that's not, you know, just internally, but it's also people on their boards and, and folks from the outside. The advocates are actually struggling, you know, uh, for, you know, the, the how to playbook. And, and so, when i think about it i'll give you an example you know uh when when you hear and i know you know you've heard we've all heard many times or uh, leaders say well we'd love to move the needle on uh on diversity on tech talent in particular but uh you know until we address the pipeline issues there's only so much we can do you know the reality of that you know, that it's not the pipeline that's small it's actually the number of folks that they know is small okay uh and uh and i asked you know so the, so you ask a, a leader, well, uh, how many people of color were you know were at your wedding, or at your one mm-hmm. of your kids' weddings, and so forth? So you know, and and when you think about the pipeline, care, I used a uh, analogy, uh, you know, uh, sort of it's sort of the, in the oil business, right? And in the oil business, mm-hmm. you know, you would never you know wait for the stream of crude oil, you know, to explode out of the ground like in Beverly Hillbillies, okay, or, or flow right by mm-hmm. your office and put a spigot on it, right? What you do is You invest, you know, in, you know, case of, you know, oil uh, companies. Yeah. 100%. Right. And identifying Mm -hmm. where that black gold may be, drilling down to find it, bringing it out of the ground, you know, uh, to our refineries. Right. So the key here, you know, for how to, in, in terms of the advice I give is, you know, uh, you have to invest in cultivating that pipeline. Set aside resources that will only focus, okay, in your recruiting operations, only focus on cultivating relationships. Uh, uh, with uh, p- you know, talent of color, uh, and uh, and and think about it this way: it's sort of what you see right now at these, you know, in particular at tech companies that are scale hiring organizations. What you see is their focus is uh, about um, identifying jobs and trying to find people of color who fit those jobs right now. Yeah, and the reality is what you have to do is flip the script. You have to say invest in the you know in, in cultivate that pipeline, and then. Find people of color, great talented folks, for you know f- first, and then find jobs for them, right? And right. and take a longer term right. approach. And that's sort of you know, the idea of like it's uh, the the framing is wrong, and then the actual ha- tactics are wrong. And and all we need to do is actually tweak our recruiting and advancement uh in and uh, machines in our organizations so that they work for diverse talent. So it's not rocket science, but you actually have to have a rigorous approach, a rigorous plan. And then the how to, and then the tactical, you know, bandwidth to execute, just like you do everything else in your business.
0: Yeah. So we were talking about this off, mic, John, or just before you came on. Uh, you know, if I think it starts at the top, that if if you wanted to have the most impact, you'd have you'd focus first on boards of directors, which would lead to more uh, CEOs of color and. So what is it? Thirteen or fourteen percent of America is black, but in the Fortune 500, there are four black CEOs. Since right. we stand here today, so less than one percent. What you know? Can you find, or what do you think? And I realize it's a complicated problem, but what do you think? What's going on here? Why do less than one percent of Fortune 500 companies have a black CEO? Uh, We're going to need a bigger boat. Well, well first <laughs> of all, I would say
3: um, it is not the pipeline. OK, no, yep. um, it's not we're tired and, of the
1: pipeline issue.
3: Right. right. But but there's got to be I mean, honestly, you know, if we're going to put the pipeline issue to bed uh, uh, and take it off the table as an excuse, you know, we need to look analytically at that pipeline. OK. And and if you look mm-hmm. back and I just I sorry to go back to this around, you know, in the tech sector. Right. Because but, but, I've done the numbers. Oh, okay? please do. And, uh, um, you know, if you think about that as one of the areas in our country where this, they're really important for wealth you know, creation uh, and job creation, uh, and, and so forth. So if you think about the pipeline for tech and just talk about tech talent, which is where I hear, you know, many CEOs saying the pipeline isn't there. If you look at, just go back to the national science foundation data from five years ago. Okay. And I, I'm sure it's even better today, mm-hmm. but, uh, um, with, you know, 2 million or so, you know, college graduates. Okay. Uh, if you, you know, overall, okay. If you, uh, f- by the way, you know, call it, you know, 450,000 of those 450,000, uh, uh co- four year college grads a year are, are black and Hispanic in this country. Okay. Uh, f- one, and then we go to tech, um, and you know, kind of looked at the numbers. And if you actually, if you dig down, uh, um, there are, you know, there are a uh, hundred thousand Folks, okay, of all backgrounds who are getting engineering degrees, you know, um, under, you know, BS is in engineering. 22% of those, okay, are black and Hispanic. And then you look at c- computer science degrees, 60,000, okay, nationally. 22% of those folks, okay, another 13,000, math degrees, right. 20, you know, 5K. Right. So you got right. a pipeline of, you know, you have a pipeline of 40,000 black and Latino college graduates here year who are either engineering math Mm -hmm. or or, you know computer science that's 200,000 over the last five years because that number is 2015 from the National Science Foundation so the argument that that you know with 200,000 you can't actually build your pipeline. So that's the early stage, okay? And Scott, that doesn't address you know the the CEO, but it it, mm-hmm. it addresses the you know why we can't build the early pipeline. Actually, it's there, and it goes back to the oil dish you know uh, analogy. It's actually a refinery issue, right? What we're not doing, okay, is yeah. cultivating, Processing. exposing, and help uh, and and helping to you know to prep that talent to make the transition from what they're learning in college to what you're looking for on the job. That's all happening informally in our networks that are you know obviously. Uh, more weighted towards people who are not a fellow. Yes.
1: I've never believed their pipeline argument, and I think their focus on unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. I'm always like it's completely yeah. conscious. I think they sort of lay they they sort of give themselves an out in that a lazy out in that way. But one of the things that I've heard from a lot of people of color who work at these is these HR departments that really don't work for the employees. They work for the company, and so a lot of the stuff is when, when each of them, whether it's not just people of color but women, have an issue, it's always the onus is on the employee who is sort of you are not fitting right you're not so everybody feels yeah. like something's wrong with them um, and I think just it, it's so many stories has this have the same you know trajectory to me and it's never the company that's the problem right. and it's it, right. it, it, because I think HR really does work they don't really work for the they're not human resources they're company resources I don't know what else to call them how do you solve that how do you right. get that HR department on the side of employees right
3: to what Scott was saying it starts at the top okay uh, and mm-hmm. Uh, and it starts with understanding at the CEO level, you know, what is helping the people who are getting to the top. What's facilitating their their trajectory to the top? Who are largely, you know, white and white male. Okay, and then what's different for people of color? What they're missing is that the experience for Black and uh, Latino, Native American folks in these organizations. Is completely different than that of their white peers so we spend as a you know as a black male you know we you know we spend literally a third of our brain you know bandwidth our energy in every meeting of every day twirling questions around in our head around do i measure up am i viewed as you know as capable why aren't there more people here like me uh and those types Mm -hmm. of questions okay Again, take away your bandwidth from focusing on the content, okay? And but but it, and when you're when you're dealing with those kinds of questions in your head, not um, it also leads to behavior that doesn't help you advance. You you're 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 less likely to take risks when people reach out to you and you're trolling those types of questions in your head, and and they're trying to give you constructive feedback. You're not sure where it's coming from—a place of building you up or taking you down. When people are trying to to mentor you, you're not sure, you're you're less likely to trust. So so not only are you competing against white peers who are spending zero percent of their day-to-day bandwidth and you know never distracted by those issues in any meeting of any day okay but you're also uh uh, um, more prone to to navigate differently so that's the you know the the essence of the diverse experience in these organizations when you are one of a few uh and so the first step is for organizations to actually understand that this these things are happening right um and and then if they're happening then you would say well we need to move beyond unconscious bias training, diversity training, right? What you need mm-hmm. to do, actually. Right. Uh, and we also we also can't just focus on sponsorship and mentoring. What you actually need to do is take right. a page out of the, the world of sports, okay? You know, Which, by the way, is the only place in our society right now where if you have talent, regardless of your race or socioeconomic background, you don't get lost. And then one of the distinguishing factors you know, that we should bring to the world of uh, you know, of, to the professional world mm-hmm. outside of sports, where ninety-nine percent of us are pursuing our career, is is the understanding that to bring the high accountability, safe place coaching, the kind of coaching you get in sports, that's distinct from mentoring. You know, the only way you deal with f- with those kinds of questions in, in people's minds that I mentioned is actually to have the frequency, engage, and get you know a the kind of uh, you know personal uh, under the, uh, the surface relationship with folks in your organization to understand what they're dealing with, and then to be, to provide practical advice for navigating an environment where there isn't critical mass of diverse talent. So, so you have to actually have different interventions, coaching plus mentoring plus sponsorship, and those would come out of a, a better articulation, understanding of their underlying problems the underlying drivers of where you are. And that's how you would solve it. It's just like any right. other problem okay. in the business.
1: Yeah. All right. I have one final question. What advice would you have for white executives and board members? If you had to give, like, from your perspective, what when you give advice to these executives, most of whom are white, um, or the board members, what is the hardest piece of advice you give give them from your perspective that they should listen to?
3: Well, uh, it's twofold. One, the first thing I do is I'll ask them, you know, do you have a strategic plan overall for your company, you know, for the next three to five years? Of course, the answer is yes. Do you have one for uh, for diversity inclusion? And they'll say, kind of, right? Is it, you know, ask them, is it as comprehensive yeah. as your overall strategic plan? And they'll say, no. And I said, well, then how can you possibly, you know, uh, uh, conclude that you're taking your best shot, right? Uh, so I've really challenged them to unpack what they're doing currently um, and try to encourage them to elevate the level of rigor uh, um, around uh, their approach to diversity. So that, that, that approach to diversity doesn't compromise excellence, okay, and doesn't become a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's the first thing. And the second thing, right, you know, if, right. when I get the question Herb, uh, that, well, you know, we have, uh, you know, we're really making an effort to hire more diverse talent. And this gets back to the CEO pipeline, Scott. You know, at the, you know, we're at the mid and, and senior levels where, you know, we hire, we bring people in, they look, they're A players on paper. Uh, and for some reason, when they get here, um, they're, you know, B and C players. They're not performing at the levels that, uh, Mm -hmm. that we would expect. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, uh, and so the advice I give them is is, is to understand that I say, well, and I'll do this with a smile on my face. I'll say, do you like to dance, right? And most white male executives, not all, okay, (laughs) but most white male executives say they'll say, well, you know, not really, okay. I'll say, well, you know, those few occasions. Oh, that is so unfair! I feel triggered. There we go. So, uh, so, uh, so, so, um, so I'll say, I'll say to them, uh, you know, those few occasions where you actually have to head out on the dance floor around, you know, with around people who are important to you, whether it's somebody's wedding, it's a corporate event. I'll ask them, you know, walk me through. The feeling in your, you know, in your heart and your mind that's going, you know, that you have as you're heading out to dance floor, right? And uh, and what I will hmm. get, okay, in the vast majority of cases, are a few adjectives, okay? They are uh, everything from awkward, zero confidence, right? Um, and that and yeah. to to the you know to the Southwest Airlines, you know, I want to get away, right? Uh, and I say to them, okay, well, the good news mm-hmm. is is that you're, you know, your your confidence in your level of dancing. Is not ever going to hold you back from your career standpoint. But if you think about it, when you are one of a few, okay, um, people of color, uh, um, that the words that you're using to describe how you feel in dance floor are exactly how we feel in every meeting of every analogy. day of our career. Yep. and when you're competing yep. against folks, and that's a great. Do that. way and to so, do I, it. so when they when they think of when they get that and sort of feel the the visceral understanding of what it's like, then. Then we can move on to a, you know, a, a, uh, a, a set of action steps that, that they're much more prone to buy into because they understand the problem uh, at a more granular level. And my well, solution to the kind. dancing
0: problem is vodka, which doesn't translate <laughs> okay, the world Scott, very well.
1: Gonna, <coughs> all right, John, uh, Scott, do you have any more questions for John?
0: What piece of advice would you give to a 25-year-old uh, person of color, a young man or woman of color, who's ambitious, wants to be that CEO? What one piece of advice would you give them in terms of their approach yeah. to their career? So the,
3: the, the, the one most important thing that I would tell them is to study the people who are getting to the top, okay? Um, and, and try to analytically understand what the bar is for the people who are getting promoted to those senior levels. And and that bar is going to include, you know, what are they really good at from a you know, skill standpoint? Uh, it's going to be what have they done from an accomplishment standpoint and who's been leaning in on their behalf, right? And so you have to understand what is the bar to get to the next level and ultimately, what's the bar to getting to the senior levels? And the only way to understand that, because, of course, in our organizations, we don't tell you what that bar is, okay? We don't tell you what you have to demonstrate. Uh, so you have to look at the people who have gotten promoted to those levels, study them and then, uh, and, and then, art, you know, articulate, well, what have they done? And then, then you, we have to emulate that. So you, so this is, you know, just like, again, just like in sports, you under, you get clear on what you have to demonstrate to get to the next level and then compare yourself from skills, from accomplishments and experience from a relationship standpoint, compare yourself to that success model. And it's probably not going to be a person of color success model, but that's, you know, that's fine. And then you've got to go out and close that gap. And if, when it comes to getting senior, it may t- obviously take several years, but you have to take that one step at a time in two to three-year increments for every promotion opportunity you have over the course of your career.
1: All right, John, this is really Thanks helpful. For good work, John, John. John is the founder and CEO of Management Leadership for Tomorrow, a nonprofit that works to empower and elevate Black and other people of color into leadership positions in order to close an economic disparities. John, thank you so much Thanks for, for having me. Coming. All right,
0: Kara, that was great. We're going to take another break, and when we come back, we'll do our wins and fails.
1: Okay, Scott, wins and fails. What? What are your wins and fails, or shall I go first? Ladies first, as it as they say on Hunger Games. You go
0: first. You go well, first. Well, you
1: know, we were going to talk in the stories this week. We got we had we had a long front pivot interview, but. Um, you know, I think Ben Smith ha- wrote a column in the New York Times about something we talk about all the time about Mark Zuckerberg's cozy relationship with, uh, the Trump administration, uh, which I thought was interesting. What I am interested in is what is it going to do if Donald, I mean, after, not just after Tulsa, but Donald's numbers aren't looking great and he may pull it out. I mean, let's just add that in. But what is he going to do now, now that it looks like there's a possibility of, of a Democratic administration who seems more hostile to him and it probably includes in some form Elizabeth Warren? Um, and then secondly, you see some advertisers, uh, boycotting, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Now they're only doing it for July, like Patagonia and North Face and REI when you do not buy coats. Um, so it's not going to have that much of an impact on this company, but that 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 to me is my uh, my the conti- the fail of Facebook not to be more in, in down the middle with people and the the tight relationship with the Trump administration, which I would recommend listening to Ben going to Ben's uh, column and reading because it's more of what we talk about all the time, of course. So that's my uh, that's my uh, my fail, I guess. Um, and my win is Reed Hastings become once again acting like the mm-hmm. gr- really just the, the 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 kind of leader you want to see in tech. He's pledging 120 million dollars towards uh, U.S. historically yep. black colleges and universities. It's the biggest single donation to Rachel justice since the George Floyd yep. uprising started. It's it's actually substantive. It, it it gets something done. Of course, you know Netflix has also been very uh, has been more diverse than most studios. So I think I think that was pretty great on Reed's part. Yep. Okay, what about you? Yeah, I
0: love Reed. Uh, so my. Um My win is a woman named Rebecca Jones, uh, who Mm -hmm. was a data scientist working for the state of Florida, putting together what was at one point was was at one point considered a fantastic dashboard. And then Mm -hmm. the uh, kind of the fish rots from the head, the governor here, and basically the administration has decided to ignore what is the forest fire of poor citizenship and just you know ass you know head up your ass behavior that. Basically describes <laughs> Floridians at this moment yeah. who have decided that okay, even though we have record numbers of infections, that we're going to just ignore it and put our most vulnerable at risk. And uh, Rebecca was put under uh, was put under pressure and asked to manipulate data. Or actually, that's not fair. She was asked to withhold data or portray it in a in a in a way that wasn't yeah. accurate. In other words, they shine were shine it up, shine it up. Specific, they were specifically reporting all the negative tests. You can take a test eight times and they would report all those negatives. And if you test positive once, uh, so the ratio of negatives to people testing positive really wasn't an accurate reflection. And she brought that up and she was basically, she was fired and she started her own dashboard. So I think she's a gangster. I love that kind of leadership. I, I love great. the pursuit I love of her. truth.
1: Can I just say my mom, we're bringing her up from Florida and my mom is like, Typhoid Mary in the COVID department. Like she's, we've been trying to keep her <laughs> contained. Um, and yeah. so I was like, I went to that dashboard and was showing her the statistics for the county she's in, which is not great. They've risen, I think, 9 to 15%. It was an incredible number. Um, she was like, oh, it's not here. And I'm like, actually, if you look at actual data, and I was using this without realizing that woman's name, but amazing job. That's a great win. That's, she's amazing. She deserves it. But the state so of Florida, credit.
0: of course, well, the governor's in, insane. In, well, and the, gov- the governor's really, I mean, he really is, his mentor is the president. And in, re- in a racist trope, they're blaming the spike in infections and what is just a racist whistle call, saying that it's immigrant workers in the in the western part of the state. So, you know, of course, they're blaming this on Mexicans when it's not. It's a bunch of mostly young, mostly white people who've decided that they don't really believe in the citizenship that's made this country great. So mm-hmm. I, I'm anyways, Rebecca Jones is, is my winner, my fail is, um, I think, I don't, I really don't, Robin Hood announced some actions, they're, they're quote unquote putting, uh appointing of, rec- uh, committed to recruiting an option specialist in, in the face of the death, the suicide of a kid named, we talked about this, uh, uh, yeah. Alex Kearns who threw himself in front of a train after believing it was down $700,000. And they deno- they've donated $250,000 of suicide prevention, And Mm -hmm. I'm in the world of all signaling uh, my modest success. I'm committing to donating a quarter of a million dollars to the jet foundation or raising a quarter of a million dollars for the jet Mm -hmm. foundation. It's this fantastic organization that empowers teens and young adults with the skills and support to grow into healthy, thriving adults. So, you know, Robin hood has raised $900 million has a valuation of 7 Mm -hmm. billion, um, and pledge a quarter of a million dollars to this problem that, you know, they are obviously, uh, you know, very concerned about, but also very complicit in. And so, mm-hmm. you know, my word to Robin Hood is big fucking deal. Big oh, fucking deal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, shots fired. A quarter of a million dollars? Really? Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to match me. Robin Hood. I'm going to, mm-hmm. a professor from NYU is committing to raising a quarter of a million dollars. As is Robinhood who's raised yeah. 900 million dollars and has a valuation of seven mm. billion well are you are you serious about this issue Robinhood well done mm. anyways that's my list. I
1: saw you wrangling online I thought it was great I saw you wrangling with several people and I felt I I, I, I feel like you're on the right side of this is ridiculous it's it's kind of it's kind of insane that they're arguing with this but again it's another example of Lack of accountability for their actions. It's just this, it's the same thing over and over and over again. In this case, it's it's so obvious what's gone wrong here. And it's their glitch, it's their mistake, and they won't take a responsibility for it. And putting why, a band aid on Why this isn't do we have an economy mm-hmm.
0: where the richest white people in the world at the other end of that is a teenage girl or boy thinking about suicide? Yep. Well, how well, have we gotten here?
3: Well
1: masks everything the same thing you were just talking about just a second ago you know it's the same idea of of the governor of florida putting people at risk young people putting people at risk because they feel like they need to go and have a hurricane at a bar it's ridiculous it's just like this whole mask thing is just exhausting you know it's a it's a big baby america that just has so selfish and homicidal and suicidal at the same time that's what you know just like both. And it's and it and it's really quite disappointing. And it's such a small gesture of, of social solidarity. And in this case, uh, you know, this company reminds me quite a bit of the reaction Jewel had, you know what I mean, as I said, and others. But it's just it's the same. It's the same lack of accountability. And I admire you and I support you uh, in your effort. And I will give you money. Also, I will give you money behind you it. You and I are going to host uh, a but,
0: fundraiser at my place in Florida, okay. Cara. I've already decided. Okay.
1: All right, okay. We'll do whatever you need, whatever you need, and I will slap back at but the jet, at people who are the giving Jed you The Jed Foundation,
0: time. check it out. Jed okay. Foundation. Check J-E- it out. Foundation. Jed Foundation.
1: Scott, I have my admiration for you has Cara. risen one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's gone from little mont- to just a little. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like when you go into like this mode. I like when you go in this mode. I like it a lot. I think it's it makes you a better person. Signaling.
0: I'm just trying to be more attractive to people and more successful than me. I don't care, I don't care. I don't I don't care
1: if it's virtuous. It's still right. It's still right. It doesn't matter. Anyway, Scott, it's time to get out of here. I'll talk to you later this week. What are you looking forward? What
0: do you got going on?
1: Oh, still in Vermont, still in Vermont. But I like it here. I like it here. I do. It's so beautiful. I went nice. kayaking. I went uh, biking. I've been going biking every day. Trying to biking on bikes is harder than than on Peloton. Can I just tell you? Just like I'm such bad shape. Um, but yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here and then I'm going to go back to DC and get ready, uh, to do working, be working and having good internet access actually, which is always a pleasure for me. Um, but, nice. but lots going on this week with my kids. I'm having a great time with them here. And Amanda is wonderful. And, and her family's house is very pretty. Um, anyway, so we will talk to you next right. at, at later this week. Don't There's lots of news, of course. Yep. Don't forget there's a story in the news if you're curious about it. You want to hear our opinion on it, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com. We will talk about anything to be featured on the show. Scott, can you read us out?
0: Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Fernando Finete engineered this episode. Erica Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Drew Burroughs. Father's Day, my father is 90. He was a frogman <laughs> in the Royal Navy. He commuted to, or came over to Canada on a steamship where he became a lifelong Maple Leafs fan. He's been married and divorced four times, and oh, he God. wears a mask. He swims every day, and he takes a walk That's on the right. beach. And he wears a mask, and I would ask all of us, let's let's give our all our fathers the best Father's Day present, and let's wear a mask.
1: All right. I like it, Scott. I like all the virtual signals that's going on here, but you're absolutely correct. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, where, frankly, wherever you listen to your podcast. And do a, wear a mask when you're doing it, okay? Just practice. That's right. If you right. liked our shows, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media.
0: Report for the show comes from Atlassian. What do you think of when you hear the word flow? How about a smooth river of collaboration culminating in a shared ocean of positive outcomes across your organization? Atlassian software like Loom, Confluence, and Jira can help you achieve maximum flow across your teams by enabling fast and easy communication and connection no matter what time zone they're in. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unlock flow across your teams at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.